2: Welcome into to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can follow along with us online at kdos1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 uh, app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday. It's July 17th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortillaro here with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays back with you from vacation. Uh, we'll get into the world of sports here in just a second. We'll take your calls as well. 10 30 a.m. and 11 15. The number, as always, to dial us is 602 260 1060. Let's get the show started with the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS 1060.com poll question. Uh, Major League Baseball is back in action over the weekend. The Arizona Diamondbacks found themselves swept by the Toronto Blue Jays. Here's the question Is the D magic of March through June gone for the rest of 2023? The masses are now out in front on the yes side of things at 71% of the vote, no trailing at 29%.
1: Kayla, if I remember correctly, one of the last things we talked about before we went on our well-deserved vacations was the fact that, you know, you asked me whether they would be in first place when we came back. Yes. in third, third. So that's, they've lost now, you know, you, know, you know, 10 of the last 14 games. If you go back to before the break, they scored two runs or less in eight of their last 14 games, uh, and obviously it was a you know they were horribly outplayed over the weekend against Toronto. And quite frankly, if Toronto wasn't so bad with runners in scoring position, uh, the Diamondbacks would have been routed in all three of those games.
2: We will answer that question in detail around 1130 today. Tossing this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Yeah, that's right. College football is just around the corner. And Bill Bender of the Sporting News joined Bob in the 9 o'clock hour. If you missed it, podcast over at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Here is the question. Will Georgia win a third consecutive college football playoff? And the masses, though, are on the no side of things at 77.8% of the vote yes trailing at 22.2 percent
1: the mass is going with history here there has not been a team win a third consecutive national championship since minnesota in 1934 35 and 36 my parents hadn't even met in 1934 35 or 36 quite yet that is a few years after that so it's been a really long time that obviously was even before the ap poll and before whichever versions of the college football playoffs we've come up with in the recent years. So historically, that is probably the right way to go.
2: We will answer that question as well around 1130 today. Uh, I won't take up too much time discussing this here before we get into the Phoenix Suns, but uh, I had left uh, the last show that we did on July 7th saying that what I did know was that there was a flight out to Wyoming. We were going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we were also going to experience Yellowstone. And Bob, everything was just incredibly stunning. The Grand Tetons, Yellowstone, everything was just is breathtaking and you'll be happy to know that i did not succumb to seeing bison i didn't succumb to seeing elk or a bear or a moose and we're here today ready to do the show
1: okay excellent while well, you were doing your thing with nature i was getting ready for the college football season and uh you mentioned bill bender we talked with him today at 9 15 in the sports zone and all five segments at 9 15 in the sports zone this week will be college football related including tomorrow when we find out if Ohio State has a quarterback, or at least we asked the question whether they actually have a quarterback.
2: <laughs> Looking forward to that. As I mentioned here, the Phoenix Suns, they found themselves being busy yesterday. The team moved on from guard campaign, uh, a second round pick and cash to the Spurs for a future second round pick, and also acquired three second rounders from Orlando for a draft swap. Payne was making $6.5 million, and now that is on the Spurs books uh, there had been some initial reports that the Suns were interested in point guard TJ McConnell even if McConnell doesn't happen that trade is unable to get done um, according to the athletic the trade of pain is a 30 million dollar in tax savings for Phoenix also furthermore the athletic is reporting that Bradley Beal will enter training camp as the projected Suns starter at point guard so here's the question now who will be the backup point guard and maybe indications suggest That Jordan Goodwin who was acquired in that Bradley Beal trade uh, is set to be the backup point guard but let's first start with the Suns moving on from campaign and the six and a half million dollars which that was something that they picked up before June 1st Uh, campaign though he he showed some flashes here but I do think that this makes sense uh, based upon him and the the type of style that he plays really needs the ball in his hands and needs to be scoring to be effective uh, not as great as setting everyone else up to score.
1: He's actually horrible at that. Uh, he was equally as horrible at, on the defensive end. If he wasn't scoring, as we've said many times in the last you know three seasons, they had to get him off the floor. And uh, signing him to a contract extension was a stupid idea to start with, which I said like the day, whatever the next show after the signing was, I said that then or some shape or form. That was just a ridiculous idea based on you know, a few good weeks of play uh, as opposed to you know, his entire career. They gave him way too much money. I'm actually surprised they got really pretty much anything in return for him and the fact that you know, he just had, you know, if you look at the current roster, even if you're a campaign fan, I don't know how you exactly see how he could have actually fit in.
2: Uh, so when it comes to the, the possibility of T.J. McConnell, we'll see where this goes here. But let's just talk about this in hypotheticals here. Uh, a T.J. McConnell coming to this team, how much would you like him to be on this roster running the show?
1: That would be perfect, a perfect fit. He's actually a point guard who distributes the basketball. Suns have plenty of guys that can finish. Uh, you know, I'm not quite buying the Bradley Beal, the point guard thing. You know, I don't think he's a bad passer, but you know, he's never been a real you know, professional or college for that matter, point guard, uh, McConnell, you know, it's you know, somebody that we could you know, has set up and, and, and run an NBA offense before, uh, which I think would be very important in a, a perfect fit. He also is at least a decent defender. Um, maybe even better than decent. Uh, uh, so that would also, you know, defense and the Suns are, you know, seems to be an allergic situation there. Uh, so that would be also be an addition uh, that is much needed.
2: That's an interesting phrase there defense and an allergic situation. I, we might be, I have a feeling you might be using that phrase uh, often during the season here
1: assuming i remember the craze but yeah hopefully hopefully maybe i need to make a note here huh? i
2: i think you, you do because I, I think it was well done
1: get a big sign in front of me or something so yeah <laughs> i'll try to, you you can help me remi- remind me of that how brilliant this was
2: okay i'll do my best um or if they actually guard
1: somebody how stupid it was <laughs>
2: Fair enough. We'll go either way on it. Uh, the Suns, they also were not done making moves. They signed free agent center Bull Bull to a one year fully guaranteed deal. Bull Bull has started uh, 35 games in his four years in the NBA, but he is coming off of his best season with the Orlando Magic last year, uh, in which he scored 9.1 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, had 1.1 blocks in 21 and a half minutes of play last season with the Magic.
1: I'm totally for this, and I actually think this is a far better idea than Eubanks, who they brought in, and I just don't think he's really a contributing player on a good NBA team. Uh, So maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I didn't watch him enough after he left Oregon State. Uh, He's a decent defender, Uh, but you know, Bowl is, you know, to use a, you know, kind of a recruiting term. Uh, he had pedigree back in the day. Some actually thought he was the best high school player in his recruiting class, or pretty close to it. Yeah, uh, you know, he played one year at Oregon, and he's got some skills. And uh, you know, he's a young player. Uh, you know, the draft pick situation. I'm so confused as to you know how many draft picks they have or don't have anymore. Whatever. There, you know, we'll worry about that when we get to the draft in those particular years. But you know, I, I'm totally for the bowl addition and to me uh other than adding obviously beal and then eric gordon uh, this is the next best thing the Suns have done this offseason
2: i think uh you know i don't have the exact numbers it just feels like there's a lot of second round picks that they have acquired and they have no first round picks for quite some time
1: okay Well, so we'll see. And then, you know, the second round picks, who knows if you're ever going to keep them or whether any of them can play, assuming you draft the right people, which has also not been a, you know, strength of the Suns here in recent years.
2: Uh, I thought it would be interesting to just kind of go through the Suns roster, their salaries, and then just uh, highlight what this means in terms of where things stand with the different tax layers to the new NBA CBA. Uh, so you have Kevin Durant, $46.4 million on the books this season. Bradley Beal, $46.7 million. Devin Booker at $36 million. DeAndre Ayton, $32.45 million. We know that things are incredibly top-heavy. That's the case. Eric Gordon then comes. Coming in at $3.1 million. Josh Akogi, 2.8, million. Damian Lee, 2.5, million. Acquired Diop this offseason at $2.3 million. You mentioned Eubanks at $2.3 million. Metu at $2.3 million. Watatambi at $2.3 million. Bol Bol coming in at $2.165 million. Jordan Goodwin, 1.9 Ish Wainwright, who they picked up his option at $1.9 million. And their rookie draft pick Kamara at $1.19 million. So this all means here that the Suns find themselves $61.6 million over the salary cap maximum, which is $136 million, and they are $3 million over the super tax apron, which is $182.7 million. So obviously there are different ramifications for things as they get over each hurdle of the salary cap maximum. So we'll see as the offseason unfolds what direction they end up going. What I do know is that uh, there is some more Suns news involving the team for next year, and that's that their contract with Valley Sports Arizona expired after the 2022-2023 season. And so the Suns and the Mercury plan to move forward with their partnership with Gray Television Incorporated. So that means non-nationally televised games will air on 3TV and Arizona's Family Sports, which is KPHE, next season. We had kind of heard that agreement, then we had had the judges injunction into everything but it looks like everything is set to move forward in that direction and that could be an example of what's to come around the nba with the regional sports networks going through uh i guess trials and tribulations is a good word for that
1: not just the suns it looks like the diamondbacks could to be heading down a similar road as early as this week So stay tuned to your local listings, I
2: guess. (laughs) Well, we'll try to stay on top of it as much as possible. Once again, we'll take your calls today around 1030 and 1115 602 260 1060 is the number. But on the other side, let's dive into college football. We'll do just kind of a brief overview here of the athletics austin mock put together a top 25 we'll go through the top 10 Uh, then also what is vegas telling us with the win totals and just kind of some brief observations of college football obviously bob had a great conversation with bill bender earlier in the sports zone and if you missed it you can podcast it over at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app and bob plans to have individualized team previews the rest of this week as well in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll get into much more college football here on The Extra Point on KDUS AM 1060.
0: Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060.
2: 21 here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Lara with you here up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. There's also something going on with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Make sure you're downloading it. Register to uh, potentially put yourself in the mix for a $100 or gift certificate courtesy of Superbook Sports, so you'll want to make sure you're following along with the listener rewards and everything with the perks of the KDOS 1060 app. Continuing on with the college football theme here, uh, the Athletics' Austin Mock put together his top 25 in college football, so this uh, is not just a straight list of what the AP top 25 would be or what the coaches' poll would be. This is Austin kind of compiling things, but I thought we could go through uh one uh through 10 and also look at what vegas is saying with the win totals and some some little nuggets that we have about each team and so bob let me ask you this do you want to start with number one or do you want to start with number 10
1: how about we start with number one because I think we know who it is, and plus I'm ready to talk about Georgia.
2: Okay, fair enough. There's absolutely yeah. no, uh, I guess, uh, teasing this along. It is number one, <laughs> Georgia. I
1: didn't even, I didn't even know it was Georgia for sure. I just kind of
2: guessed. Uh, yeah, the Vegas win total here over under eleven and a half regular season wins. Uh, over is sitting at plus one sixteen. Under is minus one forty two. Just to look at how much of a favorite they are to win the national championship it's plus 220 uh the Bull- bulldogs though they will have a new quarterback with stetson bennett having graduated
1: that would be true which means that you know carson beck who's actually been there for two three years i mean it's not like he's just you know he's like one of these many quarterback transfers who uh went through the portal and is going to step into big roles for prominent programs he's been there for a while they have a new offensive coordinator um it'd be nice uh, if, you know i wonder if, if you just got a yes no prop whether george would win the national championship again again uh no would be a heavy favor just based on history as i mentioned a couple of times previously it's uh, 1934 1935 and 1936 when the last time a college football team three-peated and that was just kind of a you know, word of mouth because you know the AP poll didn't even exist then
2: number two on this list here and this might be a little bit controversial because I've seen Alabama here um, elsewhere in a top ten particular poll heading into college football season but he uh, he has number two Alabama over ten and a half wins at plus 148 under ten and a half wins at minus 184 for them to win the national championship is plus 600 um, this is interesting to me though because there's always pressure to win at Alabama The expectations that Nick Saban had elevated this program to for the longest time, they were the team that were losing all sorts of five-star defensive players. You just plug someone in, you're ready to go. Uh, But with the way that Georgia's been dominating, with the way that other SEC schools have been improving, does that ratchet up Bama's pressure level this season?
1: Absolutely, it does. And uh, do they have a quarterback? uh you know tommy reese is now the offensive coordinator bill o'brien now obviously with the patriots then there's you know kind of a quarterback you know mix uh, you know I got three guys who were kind of competing for the top job and you know buckner who came with tommy reese from notre dame uh is one of the quarterbacks in the running and uh well he uh uh, emerge? Will anybody emerge? I'm guessing they're just going to run the ball. i uh, kind of go back to the old Alabama. They won plenty of say. We won plenty of national championships before they went to a more conventional college football. You know, current day passing attack. I'm guessing they might go back to a little more of the let's pound the ball and use our offensive line and our running backs to win games.
2: Number three on Austin Mock's list here is Michigan. Over 10.5 wins is at minus 122. Under 10.5 wins at plus 100. Looks like J.J. McCarthy back as the starting quarterback for the Wolverines. And uh, you'd have to think that there's going to be some growth from last year to this year.
1: Uh, He was unbelievably good at the end of last season in the regular season. Obviously did not have a good bowl game. In that loss to TCU, but you know, he's 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 the man, and he's a uh, considered to be a first-round draft pick by uh, the NFL experts. After this upcoming season, they have by far, and I don't know what the next you know we got you know several more teams to go through here in this top ten, but I can't imagine a team has an easier schedule than Michigan. Uh, they have they're not playing any non-conference power five opponents for a second consecutive year maybe a third consecutive year at least two and uh, they play Ohio State at home uh, to conclude the regular season and uh, they don't have divisions anymore in the Big Ten so they might actually play Ohio State consecutive weeks depending on what happens the rest of the regular season for Ohio State.
2: Number four you mentioned Ohio State that's where the Buckeyes slot in here over 10 and a half wins at minus 115 under 10 and a half wins at minus 105 I think the big question here is who replaces CJ Stroud is it going to be Kyle McCord is it going to be Devin Brown but also those are some big shoes to fill.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and uh, it's been a long time since the question is out there do they have a competent starting quarterback? And I think that's a legitimate issue. McCord showed, you know, got a you know, few reps last year, but they, you know, none of those were in games that were on, you know, meaningful at that time. They, you know, just mop up time. He had an okay spring, no, not better than okay. Uh, you know they've got. You mentioned Brown. He unfortunately got hurt in spring practice and wasn't really able to compete for that job. And it's an open competition supposedly uh, when the fall starts. And uh, we'll have uh, much more on Ohio State tomorrow in the 9:15 segment of the Sports Zone.
2: Number five, we're on a run of Big Ten teams here. Number five coming in is Penn State. Over nine and a half wins is sitting at minus 138 from Las Vegas. Under nine and a half wins at plus 112. Projections seem to be across the board from people that the Nittany Lions defense will be really good this year.
1: Agreed, but Drew Owler is going to be the quarterback. Uh, Heralded kid they got out of Ohio. Uh, you know, I wonder if Ohio State would like to have him right now, but we're not sure if he's good. Uh, he had some, you know, he, he certainly looked the part last year when he got an opportunity. Very athletic, has a very strong arm. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, they have two really good running backs, one of the best running back duos in the country. Uh, I don't know if I exactly trust Franklin on uh, game day. In fact, I don't. Uh, He's been a pretty poor game day coach over the years, and he has a horrendous record against Michigan and Ohio State over the years, and there's been more than a couple of those games where his coaching led to losses.
2: We'll save six through 10 on the other side of the break and some notable teams that I also have in this athletic Austin mock uh, college football top 25. To me, it's no surprise, though, that he has listed the SEC and the Big Ten as being teams one through five. I am a little surprised, though, that there were three Big Ten teams so far. You know,
1: maybe, I think after you get to, after, you know, through the top four, it's kind of a crapshoot uh, who you think is actually number five. So I'm guessing, I haven't looked at too many top 25s. Like basically, uh, the Lindy's preseason magazine, which is an excellent product. And uh, Anthony Gimino, our old friend from Tucson, is actually uh, the editor of this. And, uh, you know, so check that out. That's the one preseason magazine, if you were going to get one, that I would uh, recommend
2: that's the number to chime in we'll take your calls now get to you on the other side of the break in addition to number six through ten and some notables mostly the notables are uh the pac-12 schools So we'll get to that on the other side of the break, but feel free to interrupt 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll also have uh, much more around the world of golf coming up in this hour. It is the Open Championship this week. So our friend Alex Myers uh, set to join us on Wednesday to preview the Open Championship from Hoy Lake this year. We'll also get into the Diamondbacks and Major League Baseball in our number two, 602 260 1060. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060 online at kdos1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports.
0: Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa. Open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows.
2: Coming back to you with the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is 1036 on this Monday, July 17th. Continuing our conversation about college football, Bob had a great conversation with Bill Bender of the Sporting News, and if you missed it, you can podcast it over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app we're continuing the topic here of Austin Mock of the athletics top 25 and then going through what Vegas thinks about them with the win totals and a few nuggets as Bob continues to preview college football for the rest of the week briefly recapping here to no surprise number 1 was Georgia number 2 Alabama number 3 Michigan number 4 Ohio State which is a topic of conversation in tomorrow's sports zone and number five is Penn State. So here we are now with number six, and that is LSU. Over 9.5 wins is sitting at minus 110. Under 9.5 wins also at minus 110. It's the Jaden Daniels show. He returns. I saw him on Sports Center earlier this morning as he was talking yeah. for SEC Media Day. Is this offense, though, just ready to explode?
1: It could be, but I think that uh, that 9.5, you could be, if you bet it under, you could uh, be trying to to see if you could cash your ticket by the end of September. Their first game of the season is against Florida State. That's in Orlando. They also have their third game of the season at Mississippi State, which is possibly a tricky game. Will Rogers is the returning quarterback in Mississippi State for like the 13th season. And he's still around. And then uh, the last weekend of uh, September, they play at Old Miss. So they, those are three games they could lose right there.
2: Moving on to number seven, which is another SEC opponent, and that's Tennessee over nine and a half wins, plus 146 under nine and a half wins at minus 188 side note here. This has nothing to do with this current team, Tennessee, but they must vacate all 11 wins from 2019 and 2020 under former head coach Jeremy Pruitt as part of the penalties handed down by the NCAA. I believe that that uh, came down on the last couple of days, As for this team, though, they have to find a way to replace Hendon Hooker.
1: Yeah, they're going to, you know, good luck with that. That's not going to be an easy thing to do, needless to say. The former Michigan quarterback, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, Milton, Joe Milton, uh, he's the guy, and, you know, he's had some good moments in college, and uh, whether it be Michigan or Tennessee – and some not good moments in college so we'll see what happens uh, they do play uh their their road schedule is a little difficult at Florida it's still Florida against Tennessee I don't think Florida is going to be particularly good this year but that's the third game of the season later in the year they play at Alabama they also play at Kentucky and they play a game at you know they still play Georgia that's the next to last game and that game's at least in in that and uh in uh, knoxville but uh, tough schedule we'll see uh i never bought into tennessee's defense last year it was awful and i don't know how much uh, i think though certainly all, it can't be that bad again right uh but I'm, I'm having a tough time believing that tennessee is gonna get the quarterback play that it had last year and uh, kind of uh you know be able to uh you know massage that schedule to do anything decent
2: uh, yeah, that was going to be my next question for you about Tennessee and that defense. Obviously, we know what the offense was able to pr- produce with Hendon Hooker. You just said good luck trying to replace him here. So can the defense kind of pick up some pieces? And I know... Uh, you- ITest test versus metrics and i think the tennessee defense was maybe the biggest case study of them all season last year uh because metrics wise sometimes they put up some pretty decent numbers but i test said they were giving up some some plays and some yards and it would come back to bite them in some key situations it did is there anything there though that gives you hope for the defense to be a little bit better this season
1: uh, just the fact that it has to be better, <laughs> so that's kind of my answer. They got to do a better job controlling the line of scrimmage, and that was a problem. And uh, you know, some of the games, even some of the games they won, which were high scoring, uh, they had problems stopping the run in some of those games against you know at least quality opponents
2: number eight on this list is the texas longhorns over nine and a half wins minus 134 under nine and a half wins at plus 110 quinn ewers is said to be the starting quarterback over arch manning Uh, i swear we ask this question all the time and is texas back yeah i was like might as well just (laughs) lean into it is texas back
1: uh, I keep saying no every year, and I've been wrong. I've been right for a lot of those years. I'm going to say it again. Uh, we might find out by week two that they're not back. They played Alabama the second game of the season. Remember, they were, you know, uh, unfortunate losers. Actually, I thought I played Alabama last year in that game at home. But Ewers got he, that was actually Ewers probably his best moment and his worst moment of the season in the same game. He was really good. And then he got hurt, suffered the shoulder injury and missed a few weeks after that. Uh, I'm not buying, uh, not completely buying whether he's good. Um, you know, he's had, you know, I understand, you know, the pedigree and the flashes, etc. But if he starts slowly, Arch Manning will be the quarterback in like, you know, two seconds. They also play at Baylor in the first month of the season. That could be a tricky game. Baylor was not as good as we've got many, I assume most maybe everybody expected last year. They have a lot of guys back, so that could be a bounce back for them. They also, uh, the first weekend of November, play at home against Kansas State. And Kansas State is my pick to win the Big 12.
2: Ooh, all right. We already have an early prediction here.
1: They did win the conference championship game last year over TCU. People, like, forget that. But, uh, you know, they're they're far better coached uh kansas state is than texas and i think their their offensive line has a chance to be the best offensive line in the country in kansas state
2: uh number nine here is florida state over nine and a half wins minus 134 under nine and a half wins at plus 110 jordan travis ready to make that leap at the starting quarterback position is he ready to do that
1: he was good last year, really good last year, and uh, yeah, they were good by the end of last season once they figured out you know, some issues on, really on both sides of the ball, uh, but Mike Norvell, former ASU assistant coach and occasional Sports Zone guest back in the day, uh, certainly has done a nice job turning this program around, it was a mess when he inherited it, and he took uh, some grief because it didn't need to turn around immediately. But uh, I think that they have a chance to be really good. As I mentioned, they play that first game in Orlando against Florida, right? Excuse me, against uh, LSU to begin the season in Orlando, Florida. Uh, So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Interesting thing about Florida State is they also play at Clemson, which is the last weekend of September. Other than that... I don't think they have the most challenging schedule of teams we've talked about so far. It's not the Michigan's level of ineptness, but it's uh, not the toughest schedule in college football this season by any means
2: number 10 here this is the first pac 12 school in the last year that we can say that this school is in the pac 12 that's usc over nine and a half wins minus 188 under nine and a half wins at plus 152 of course we know all about caleb williams and the expectations for him and how uh, this is potentially he's going to be the uh, number one overall pick uh so i guess the questions then turn to uh how's the rest of the offense going to fill out around caleb williams and of course the the defensive side
1: of the ball and their defense was a disaster last season they did create turnovers you know they were plus a million in turnover margin and usually those things don't exactly uh, continue year after year or consecutive years uh, so we'll see what happens with that part uh, you know but offensively i think they'll be fine but can they stop anybody i also think the pac-12 might have six good teams I think it's more likely to say that they're going to have six mediocre or really bad teams. Uh, So if you're one of the good teams, you can't be losing to any of those bad teams. Also, USC still have Notre Dame on the schedule. It's the road game this year Uh, in October at Notre Dame. Remember when they play them at home, that's always uh, the last game or next to last game of the regular season, depending on the schedule. They also play at Oregon. Uh, and uh, and they uh, you know have a you know they, they play UCLA obviously the last game of the season and uh, that game's in uh, Pasadena this year but that doesn't really matter where that game's played especially if it's in Pasadena because UCLA doesn't have enough fans to fill their own stadium but they will you know actually fill the stadium and the Rose Bowl that particular day because the USC fans will show up. So that's like a home game for usc in my opinion
2: you mentioned the pac-12 schools and what you kind of thought of them i'd go through the notables here in this top 25 and uh at number 11 is oregon over nine and a half wins at plus 100 under nine and a half wins at minus 122 obviously uh, offensive coordinator kenny dillingham he's now with asu
1: yeah i think there's a lot of questions about oregon Uh, um you know they you know won some games last year. You kind of wondered how did they win that game? <laughs> so we'll see. But uh, yeah, they play the four best teams in the conference, in my opinion. And of the four best teams in the conference, uh, which are UC, uh, USC, uh, Washington, Oregon, and Oregon State, you know, they play the other three. Nobody else in that group does. So, they, I think they have the toughest schedule as far as playing the, quote, elite teams in the conference. I meant Utah, too. I'm oh, Sorry about that. How can I forget Utah? They won the uh, you know, conference championship the last couple of years. But they also play them, and they play at Utah this year. Oregon does.
2: Uh, then you have number 12. We're on a run of Pac-12 schools here is Washington. Over 9.5 wins at plus 118. Under 9.5 wins at minus 144. And Washington taking everyone by storm with Calen uh, DeBoer and the Michael Penix Jr. connection last season.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not buying Washington this season. I think they were good. First up, you know, Penix has a long injury history. He made it through last year healthy. You know, hopefully, I mean, he's fun, one of the most fun players to watch in college football. Even when he's we when he's in Indiana, he was a fun player to watch, but he couldn't stay healthy the majority of the time he was there. Made it through last season unscathed. Also last year, I think it's important to point out, they didn't play USC or Utah last year. This year they play them consecutive weeks to start November.
2: Number 14 here, continuing the Pac-12 theme, is Utah, over 8.5 wins, plus 104, under 8.5 wins at minus 128. Obviously, the last time we saw Utah, uh, quarterback uh, was just getting absolutely destroyed, beat up, and uh, had to leave the game. So the question marks here about where Utah goes, they had their star tight ends being drafted. uh, And then, of course, the, the question marks of whether or not Kyle Whittingham was going to retire, obviously not. So, well, Utah here coming in at number 14. You
1: mentioned quarterback Cam Rising. Uh, Not only did he get obliterated in that game against Penn State, he tore his ACL. And there's still some question of whether he's going to be ready for the start of this season. And uh, they do play Florida in the revenge game to start the season. But they have a very tricky second game of the season at Baylor. I already mentioned Baylor when we talked about Texas. think that they're going to be better. And they play UCLA in week four. Uh, so, you know, they play, you know, three of their first four games are against Florida, which I think will be down, but still it's Florida, an SEC team. And, uh, the PAC 12 doesn't beat the, uh, at the, beat the SEC very often in any football game. Uh, so the first, uh, three of their first four games are Florida at Baylor, and then they play uh home against UCLA. So that's a tricky start. So they got to, they need a healthy rising, uh, to actually, uh, uh to to i think negotiate uh, that with three wins
2: number 18 ucla over eight and a half wins minus 134 under eight and a half wins at plus 110 the question who's replacing dorian thompson robinson at quarterback
1: well i don't think there's much doubt who they'd like to have replace him and that's the uh, you know freshman true freshman and it's not like you know, you know chip kelly's not been afraid to do that because you know dorian thompson robinson was a true freshman and you know, started you know, from the next 12 years after that. Uh, but they got you know, Moore, who was originally going to be uh, – you know, first, he, he's from Michigan. Everybody just kind of assumed he was going to go to Michigan. Then he actually committed to Oregon, and then he flipped, and you know, he ends up in UCLA. And uh, it looks like he's going to be their quarterback. Uh, they don't play Oregon or Washington, so they have a really advantageous schedule – of the teams that I think are like the clear top six in the conference, they have the uh, best schedule as far as the elite teams. So if, assuming that those six teams do pan out and be the elite or the, certainly the upper half of the conference.
2: And finally, rounding out the Pac-12 here, uh, number 21 is going to be Oregon State, over 8.5 wins at plus 130, under 8.5 wins at minus 160. And uh, they surprised some people last year, and then they fell into some inconsistencies because of quarterbacks coming in and out of the lineup.
1: Yeah, well, that shouldn't be an issue this year. They got D- DJ is transfer from Clemson. And uh, he's expected to be their starting quarterback. They have a tremendous offensive line, without question. They have the best offensive line in the conference. Uh, so you know their formula of running the ball, I think, will still be running the ball. Uh, and I really like them. What do you? What was the season win total that you said there? It I was eight and yet. a half. Yeah, that's something I'm seriously considering here. And I don't try. I don't bet many college win totals ever. Uh, And I'm not going to bet it right now because, you know, you'll know what's going to happen in the preseason, injury-wise, etc. Because there'll be two or three times when we're talking in the next, before the season starts, that, you know, there's been a key injury and uh, just a practice. But uh, Oregon State has home games against Utah, UCLA, and Washington. And then they go to Oregon to finish the season. And uh, so that's uh, kind of their, you know, quote, tough part of the schedule. But, uh, and no USC for Oregon State. So Oregon State over the total something I'm seriously considering.
2: And uh, you can check out Austin Mock's top 25. We obviously went through top 10 and then uh, went into the notable category with the rest of the Pac-12. So you can see the rest of the top 25 there with the athletic. And of course, there will be much more college football discussion the rest of the week in the Sports Zone beginning tomorrow uh, with Ohio State. Joey Kaufman of the Columbus Dispatch set to join Bob in tomorrow's Sports Zone. We talk a little golf. It is the open championship week Uh, most of the players were over the pond in the scottish open and so we'll dive into that a little bit and a brief look ahead to the open on the other side of the break it is the extra point here on kdus am 1060.
0: James Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app.
2: Wrapping up our number one Monday, July 17th. Bob Kemp, Caleb Mortellaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A brief look back at the Genesis Scottish Open, prepping us for the Open Championship this week. In the Scottish Open, it was Rory McIlroy getting it done. He birdied 17, birdied 18 to win by one over Scottish-born player Robert McIntyre, who shot a final round 63. Before. Rory hitting uh, just a piercing, penetrating two iron in 18 to about 10 feet and making the putt for Birdie to win. Uh, certainly that was fantastic for Rory. But I guess if you're talking about whether or not the jinx is in, anyone who wins the Scottish Open has not traditionally had some success at the Open Championship. So we'll see if Rory can uh, overcome that jinx as Rory is the defending champion when it comes to the last time the Open Championship was contested at Royal Liverpool at Hoy Lake. The golf course is a bit different this time around than when Rory won back in 2014. It's a par 71 this year, 7,313 yards. I do want to point out here from the Scottish Open, though, Scotty Scheffler, quietly finished tied for third at 10 under par. It's yet again a similar story here. 4.3 strokes gained off of the tee. That was third for the week. 7.46 strokes gained on approach. First for the week. 11.39 strokes gained tee to green. Second for the week. Minus 2.215 strokes gained putting. Tied for 60 second for the week. He again is just phenomenal with the ball striking. And if the flat stick could just be level be winning so many golf tournaments uh coverage though gets started thursday and friday 10 30 p.m to 1 a.m on peacock and 1 a.m to 12 p.m on usa we'll also have alex myers joining us on wednesday at 11 15 a.m for a preview of the open championship hour number two of the extra point is next